This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to episode 97, I believe, of the Stacey West podcast. I say that, I'm I'm actually not 100% sure. I'm fairly sure, I'm fairly certain it is. Um, and that's a hell of an entrance, isn't it? Um, but I'm Ben and uh, I've got Gary with me. How are you getting on? Yeah, I'm still scarred from having to look at you on uh, Saturday lunchtime. <laughs> it was a weird feeling. It was definitely a strange one, wasn't it? Yeah, particularly like the Transformers posters in the background. I didn't realise you had a 10-year-old son whose bedroom you recorded in. <sighs> <laughs> oh, I've been saving that one for nearly a week. Of course you have. Of course you have, mate. <laughs> you could pick up on the fact that in my office I have a, a teddy bear behind me, but you're too nice and polite. Yeah, you see, you know, and I'm, I'm, oh and, dear. Unless you're complaining on the internet. No, I wasn't. Compl- always. No, I'm not always complaining on the internet, Carrie. But I'm, I'm quite glad that you're getting involved with, uh, what is it, Echo the Meme King or whatever it is. Uh. Who's uh, also tagging himself into conversations with uh, with some online retailers? But there we go. You know what the thing is today, right? The number of times I've gone to my phone, it says the Stacey West has sixteen notifications. I thought, oh, I wonder what they are. And there are other people joining in the thread, complaining about chips being sent to a clothing company instead of a dedicated <laughs> computer company. And, <laughs> and do you know what? Every time I put my phone down, thinking I must mute that conversation, and then I forget to do it every time. <laughs> Uh, do you know, do you know what? Do, do you know what my utopia is? The one thing that one day I believe is going to happen. One on. day I believe you're going to make a purchase, and it's going to go right. I've made purchases that have gone right, Gary. Made, you're using, you've used purchase. my first name twice. This is a touchy subject, isn't it? 
it's almost like I know I'm in trouble if if uh, if if Rach says Benjamin. <laughs> Do you know what? I was just thinking the same thing. I know that if Fee starts with Gary, I know I'm in trouble. I know I've done something wrong. And you know, actually, I got a, a text message the other day from somebody that started with Gary, and it was broaching an issue that that, that could have been construed as awkward when normally it starts with like mate or something like that. So. Is, is that what is that what society has come to that using your name is is a sign of foreboding? <laughs> well, I know that um, I, I did mention this to uh, to to Liam the other week um, just before the I think it was before the Liverpool game when I put like the the five step plan to make it feel like Central Bank in your own home and Liam tweeted it with "Well played, Benjamin." I thought, yep, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, and but yet yeah, surprisingly, he's agreed to come on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was all tongue in cheek, and we've had, uh, you know, we, we were joking about it. It's good fun, all in good, uh, all in good fun. Um, so yes, we will be talking to Liam Scully a little bit later on. Um, but before we do, we will uh, we'll, we'll jump straight into the Charlton game. I mean. We, we sort of discussed off air. There's not really too much point in discussing the Liverpool game. We've said all that needs to be said on that one. Um, great night for the club. End of story. But Charlton, obviously Sunday, um, felt a bit. It felt a bit weird playing on a Sunday um, because it then made the rest of the week and uh, the rest of the week, the rest of the weekend. I'll get my teeth in. Um, feel a bit like a Saturday because uh, obviously you know we're still in this weird covid land limbo so it was uh it was a very strange day um but uh, i thought we i thought we weathered the storm pretty well in the first half and honestly i think i think we probably stole the first half um given you know everything that went on i think you know charlton looked really strong i thought they looked uh i thought i thought they threatened us quite a bit and they were well it was really down to poor finishing um from connor washington that they didn't take the lead quite early on but uh yeah nicked nicked penalty at the end and for all the controversy alongside it i think having seen it back quite a few times now it's pretty clear that the ball came off the defender's foot uh, to play george on side and uh yeah second half was a different story altogether i thought we really came into it and started to to get a hold of the game um i mean what about did, did you see anything differently or um well, first of all, my my first ever game was actually on a Sunday, so so really for me playing on a Saturday's odd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, do you know what? It's, it's not a bad summing up. Um, I I tweeted at half time of the game that I thought that we uh, never had we gone in at half time with such an undeserved lead. And you know, retrospect, uh, I mean, with respect, I think I was probably wrong um, because the, the team that deserves to be going in leading, unless it's been handed to them on a plate, is the team that scores more goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Charlton played good football. I thought they controlled the possession. It's yet another game where um, we see what Lincoln City can do without the ball. I thought probably without the ball, it was it was one of our weaker performances in terms of we just looked a little bit leggy. And you know, some when we did get the ball, I thought some of our passes were were, were going astray a little bit, and we looked like a team that had played. Um, I can't remember was it seven games in 21, 22 days, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Whereas on the flip side, Charlton had played one fewer in in like four games more in four days more. So you know, they should have been a little bit fitter. They should have been buoyed by the takeover, which obviously dominated the headlines beforehand. So. I don't think I was surprised with the way the first half went. Um, 
I was just surprised that they did lack the finishing touch. I, I, I can't remember if I called Connor Washington out on um, uh, on the pod last week. He was a player that I think should do better. I think I'd said he'd been played on the right wing and it was a bit of a waste and he'd lost his goal-scoring touch, which usually uh, is, is the... Um, precursor to that player scoring against us as we either draw or lose uh, and imagine my surprise when after like seven minutes Connor Washington has a great chance to score I'm just sat there thinking fair for sake um yeah you know they've got decent players I like Ostuma I like Dylan Levitt um I like Alfie Doughty but it doesn't matter if you've got good players if if you haven't got that finishing touch Charlton will be very very different by the time we go to the Valley they've signed Marcus Madison today they will sign more players before the transfer deadline they will have better strikers in place so it was a very good time to play them um when you go on to the penalty there's a couple of things I know they were angry I think about the initial handball from Prattley which was a handball um, I think they were angry or certainly a little bit angry about the penalty, which was as clear a penalty as you'll see. Well spotted by the referee because that sort of wrestling goes on every week and, and, and gets ignored. Um, maybe mm. not that that blatant, but he was Prattley again, making himself look like part of his surname. Um, and then, you know, it's a weak penalty from George Grant. Let's not forget that. Grant scored the goal and he's recovered well. And I think that shows real character because he's taken a weak penalty straight down the middle. The keeper saved it with his legs, um, as everybody knows. But then you've still got to be in that mindset. How many times has a player missed a penalty? The rebounds come to him and he hasn't managed to put it away. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you're right. Uh, ben Purrington is the defender. And I've got a tenuous link to Ben Purrington. Um my uncle or my cousins, uh, Rachel and Joe in Exeter, uh, went to the same secondary school as Ben and are close friends with him and his brother Tom, who was released by Plymouth in the summer. So, anyway, um, you say te- you know, you say tenuous, I'd say tedious. Yes, brilliant. Do you know what? I'm going to give you that one because I always give you a little bit of stick, so there's a tedious <laughs> link. Um, I, I think Ben plays it across personally. You can't see any replay down the line. I don't think George Grant's going to be offside. Because, as I've said, the motion, Grant goes to the penalty spot. He has to stop to strike the ball. Okay, When you first strike the ball, the natural instinct is to stay. You don't follow the ball as you strike it. So he's run, stopped, keeper saved it. Harry Anderson and the men at the, the, the defender have kept running in. For me, I think that when that ball's played back across, Grant's surely got to be level at, at the very worst. And I think it's one of those where when you look at it from a certain angle, particularly the angle of Lee Bowyer, um, and that's not a dig. He's at kind of a, a 45 degree angle, let's say. So he's looking. He's going to watch where the ball falls. When the ball's played, he's going to look across. Grant's going to look like he's in an offside position. So I know. will say, um, I think it was, I think it must have been an alternative camera angle from possibly, um, well, it's definitely something related to Charlton because I've seen, um, I've seen a, a, a still of uh, of the the incident and it. I mean, George, he is in an offside position. Um, it's it's quite. I, I honestly don't know where it where it came from, but I think it must have been some uh, potentially some I follow. Um, not I follow because that would have been the same feed. But um, there was definitely some video footage that uh, that sort of proved that yes, he was in an offside position. But I mean, that's me mugged, that's me mugged off twice in a minute. Then so. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing the, the thing for me with that was that. Um, the the decision that um or the, the the reasoning sorry that Lee Bowyer kind of came out afterwards and said well this is the this is the uh, the reason that they've given me was that he said that the, you know that the linesman was assuming that he was 
onside or off. You know, he would have been assuming he was offside because he couldn't keep up with with play because he was coming back from the penalty spot. It's like that's not the when I. I mean, this is this is going back quite a few years, so admittedly it might be out of date now. But my understanding of you know, if you've got a decision to make as an official. Um, I was always told when I did my I did some training as a referee years back, and it was it was always you give the benefit of the doubt to the defending team. So if there was any doubt in his mind whatsoever that you know he was in an offside position, then it should have been given as offside. But like I say, I mean ultimately it doesn't matter because it came off the defender's foot and it was given as a goal. So you see, my understanding is that if you don't see a an incident, you can't give it, and therefore, if they don't see that he's offside, you can't give it as offside. Um, but the offside rule is one of those that's open to interpretation or many feel it is. What I do think is it, it highlights or it underlines still the beauty of football at this at this level. And I maybe wouldn't be saying that if I was a Charlton fan, but you know. Mm-hmm we've got a talking point that it's Thursday and we still feel confident talking about it now as if it's relevant um, kind of five days later, whereas mm. VAR has stripped that away from the game at the top level. So, and you know, it's academic because we got the second goal in the second half. Had, had it been nil nil at half time, I think the game would have had a completely different complexion in the second half anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that's football games turn on incidents at some point this season. We'll come away from a game feeling aggrieved. We certainly did, for instance, away at MK Dons last year. Do you remember there was a lad laid on the goal line when they scored their second goal, I think, and it hit him and went in and he had to be offside, but the referee didn't give it. Yeah, It, is, it swings and roundabouts. What we've got to remember as um, amateur pundits is you know, we can't be too cutting when things go against us uh, because we're quite accepting when things go for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brett Constable's um, still a dev, even though I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'll have a pop in now. And in, interestingly enough, I mean, I, I don't. I've had something on the site this week, kind of where people can rate um, players from the Charlton game. So, I just wondered if if you kind of had, if you had to select four players that you thought kind of stood out. I wonder if they would match the general consensus. Um. I would probably say uh, George Grant is is up there. Um, Monsmer, Palmer, um, and possibly Rowan. Okay, yeah. so Grant uh, came out. I, I'm not sure how many have voted. I think it's around 70 or 80 people. Uh, George Grant came out with an average rating of eight uh, as man of the match. Uh, second was Adam Jackson um, with 7.8. Lewis Monsmer third with 7.6 and then tied on 7.5 Rowan and Tom Hopper. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought Tom Hopper had a good game again. You know, mm-hmm. he knows how to draw free kicks and not in a cheat way. You know, Harry had, had an appalling dive early on, actually, and nobody's really mentioned that. But, you know, it, it was it was a, a, a shambolic dive. <laughs> yes. Um, you've got to know how to go down when you're touched. Uh, Harry did a similar thing, I think, away at Mansfield a couple of years ago. Um, not quite as the- theatrical. Um, I thought Harry had a decent game, actually. He's got 6.8 on the overall ratings, which is uh, the third lowest of the starters. Um, but again, I, I think he offers something interesting. Uh, but it'll be whether he will keep his place when we come up against um, other teams or whether we'll go for a little bit more pace and guile, I don't know. Okay. Um, well, I mean, we'll we'll um, we'll move on to um, 
to the weekend, obviously away at Blackpool. Um, it's, I think part of it is, you know, part of my, um, the way I'm looking at this game is it's a bit of a benchmark to see how, um, how far we've come under Michael Appleton. Cause obviously it was his first game um, as manager. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one of those ones that you can sort of use as a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a sort of marking the uh, marking this line in the sand, marking the sand. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm I'm not out of coffee. I'll be honest. Um, but yeah, you know you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it, I'll be honest. It, it, I think it's tough because it's a very different Blackpool now. That Blackpool was Simon Grayson's Blackpool, which were particularly mm. um, negative, I think. And, and obviously, we beat them on uh, in New Year, didn't we? Just after Harry Toffolo left, you were probably still in mourning, but um, we won. <laughs> We won that game 1-0 with, uh, I think it was um, John Jules's only Lincoln goal, actually. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. You kind of, you know, you go away to Blackpool, it's going to be a tough encounter. We went away there last time. I think we were 2-0 down after 21 minutes, mm. uh, pulled it back to 2-1, and then arguably should have taken something from the game. Maybe there is a comparison. I mean, Blackpool haven't started the season particularly well. They've lost 2-1-1, and one, one, um, and they've played teams that, dare I say, and I, I, I don't like to ever kind of say you expect to beat teams, but they've played Gillingham, Swindon and Plymouth. Look, mm. at the end of the season, when we will have played six games, two each against Gillingham, Plymouth and um, Swindon, and I would expect a minimum of 16 points. You would expect draws and wins. You know, Gillingham might be tough because they're big, they're tough, they're direct. You know, Blackpool went there and were beaten 2-0 truth is they they didn't really look like scoring their xg was 0.74 and gillingham scored two goals their xg was 0.49 so you know it wasn't a a great game even for the neutral um blackpool they beat swindon 2-0 again their xg was only 1.14 so real lack of click chances swindon 0.68 and even away at plymouth um, i mean plymouth again it, it you know blackpool i think had 18 shots in that game four on target so this, uh, by the way, Plymouth had three with one on target, and they won one nil. Um, so I think for me, I'll be honest, Blackpool were a team that I really fancied at the beginning of the season. And when we did our picks, I think I put them in either the playoffs or the top two, um, and they've been really disappointing. And I'm not sure why I called them as such hot prospects. Because I'm looking through their team now and I'm thinking, actually, that doesn't particularly worry me. And they're probably famous last words. I mean, CJ Hamilton started really well for them on the right-hand side. And they've got Baz Nabala from Crewe on the left. Um, both were playing League Two football last season. Up front, they've got Jerry Yates, who was playing League Two football last season. In the midfield, they've got Keshi Anderson, who's playing League Two football last season. Ethan Robson, you might notice a trend here. Um, he was playing League Two football last season. He was on loan at Grimsby. And then Grant Ward, who, to be fair, has been at Ipswich. So of the the kind of six players outfield, kind of out, out of the defence, four of them were in League Two. Now, that isn't particularly a bad thing. You know, I, I'm not trying to be critical of, though, of that kind of level. Um, but it just surprised me, actually. It just kind of, kind of look at that and you just think, well, maybe they're struggling to adjust to this level. You know, it might take time to settle down. Is it? Can I really say for a fourth game in a row that it might be a good time to be playing Blackpool? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, I, I I don't. It doesn't seem like they've got really any any goal threat 
besides CJ Hamilton. I mean, he's obviously the obvious reason for saying that is that he's the one that's got, I think, all of their goals so far. Um, and it's yeah, I, I think you could be right. It's 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 a almost a cliche at that point to say, well, it, you know, it's a good time to play them. But I, I think you're right. It's I don't think there's anything that's sort of jumping out as a as a threat, really. Well, I think when when you've failed to score in um, what five of six games, four of five games, it does point to a fact that they're still taking time to gel. And look, they have a goal threat. I mean, Jerry Yates scored a bucket load last season for um, uh, Swindon. Uh, I think Keshi Anderson's a player that, that might take time to settle at this level. CJ Hamilton's obviously done well, but you know they've got Gary Medine on the bench. I mean, he's a player that probably in a slightly more aggressive side, he, he might do well. And Medine's probably falling foul of the manager change because I think he was signed by Simon Grayson. Oliver Sarkic, I think he's injured. I might be wrong about that. He's another striker that you would be expecting to get in amongst the goals. So, and they've got Sully Kaikai as well, who um, I really like. I think he's, he can, he's, he's a dangerous player, but he's he's a player. He's, he's a bit like a Marcus Madison, not an arsehole, but kind of you don't know quite what you're going to get. Do you know what I mean? If he's on mm. form, he tears you apart. If he's not on form, he's, he's quiet. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm actually quite excited to see how Labala does this season. He's the lad that came from um, Crawley, scored 12 in 32 for Crawley. He's only 22 years old. He was at Birmingham. Um, I think he's called Beryl, which I always thought was a girl's name. But, <laughs> um, I, you know, again, these are players that I think in... 10, 15 games time, some of these that have come from League Two will settle nicely and you'll you'll kind of look at them and think, oh, actually, maybe Blackpool are not doing too bad. Bear in mind, they're also they're managed by Neil Critchley, who um, was Liverpool under 23 manager. Uh, so he's used to working with players and developing them. Yeah. Anything ringing any bells here? A lot like us. Um, but he's, you know, he's a relatively new squad, a lot like us. But whereas Michael's kind of brought players in from all over, some of whom have got that kind of um, League One quality and League One experience already, mm. Blackpool probably haven't. They've got a centre-half, what's his name? Ekpiteer, I think his name is. And again, people, Ekpiteta, people will tell me I've pronounced it wrong. He's come out of League Two from Leighton Orient, but he was at Thurrock, Concord, Chelmsford. 24 years old. Another player that's going to be really good, but at the minute, maybe... He's just settling. And um, look, you get you go somewhere like like Bloomfield Road, former Premier League ground. It's you know it's going to be it's going to be a relatively kind of um, insane. No, I'm not going to say insane. Normally, it's going to be a relatively threatening atmosphere. And it's not this weekend because there's no fans. So that plays into our hands as well. I'm not saying I expect us to go there and win the game by any stretch of the imagination. But when I'm looking down at an opposition team and the one player that jumps out at me more than anything is playing left back, kind of just wonder if, you know, I think we can go there and take something. Now, bear in mind, this is coming from someone who wasn't asked to predict Saturday's game on the pod and wasn't asked to do it on Match Day Live. And had I been asked on either, I was going to call a Charlton win. So I am actually an eternal pessimist that I think we can get something from this. Okay. Well, hopefully then, uh, you know, hopefully you, you might actually be proved right for once on that one then. So. Hmm. Um, it's 3-0 to you, I think that, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, normally I get pasted, so I'm, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to take whatever wins I can get at the minute. 
Um, right then. So obviously the other um, other one we've we've had a free week this week, which is gonna be um, in terms of midweek games. It's, it's a bit of a rarity. So um, next game after that uh, is Mansfield, isn't it? It is Mansfield in the EFL Trophy. Yeah. So. I mean, we've again, we've we've sort of spoken off air briefly about uh, about the Mansfield game, and it's it's going to be a difficult one to predict in terms of you know the 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 opposition and the um, and the potential for you know scoreline stuff like that. But I mean, what what do we think we'll we'll see from the game? I mean, is it going to be a squad rotation kind of game? Is it going to be a I don't know. What what do we reckon? Yeah, it's a, almost certainly it's going to be a chance for one or two players to get a little bit of a run out. You only have to look at the Carabao Cup game against Liverpool to know that you know we're going to need to rest one or two players. For instance, I wouldn't expect Adam Jackson to play um, because they're mm. talking about whether they can get Adam through two games in a week. And it's all about the football, the, the football league. We've given ourselves a good chance because obviously we've, we've already got kind of two points on the board. And you would think a win against Mansfield with the results going the right way would probably leave us in a great position to qualify um, ahead of, of Man City under 21. So I think, have they already played Scunthorpe as well? I might, I'm, I, I might be I wrong think they about have. that. I, th- they I, beat, I know they, they beat, they beat, yeah, they have. So they've beaten Mansfield 3-0, they've beaten Scunthorpe 4-0. So if we beat Mansfield, that'll leave us um, too far ahead to be caught. So we would qualify and then uh, in, in second place. Um so Michael will have that on his mind. Bear in mind, he's twice been to Wembley in this competition before with uh, Oxford, I think, losing to Barnsley and Coventry. I might be wrong. Might not have been Barnsley. Um, so he, he'll he be keen to progress. Let, I'll make bold predictions. Um, Brennan Johnson starts at nine. Tom Hopper's rested. Mm-hmm. Alex Bradley starts at right back. TJ Ioma possibly partners Lewis Monsmer or Max Melbourne. Teo Eden potentially at left back or in the midfield. Um, but I think Melbourne may play centre-back. I think that you'll see Remy Howarth play. I think that Theo Archibald will maybe start. Uh, if Johnson doesn't start at nine, Anthony Scully is probably going to start there. Um, so, you know, it's going to be very much... I'm not going to call them second string, um, but it's those fringe players. You know, Zach mm. Elbazetti will probably get a run out and he's going to be desperate for a, for some competitive action because he hasn't... I don't think he's had any. Has he? I don't know. Has he made an appearance yet? Um, he started didn't he He started against Scunthorpe uh, hmm, and I think that was it so he's going to be really keen to kind of get some football under his belt as well and Michael's going to have one eye then on the following Saturday because when Bristol Rovers roll into Sinsel Bank and and we'll be talking about it in a week's time for me that's then a game that you think home game Bristol Rovers bear in mind they beat us 1-0 in in our managerless period last season Hmm. Um, that's a game that you then target to win you know, if we get to Bristol Rovers, let's say we take four points from the next two games. You know, you've, you've then got 14 points, I think, on the board from um, or 13 points. If we take four. We are now nine. So 13 points um, from a possible 15. You know, and that's that's a cracking start. Mm. So, um, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a cracking start when you consider that, you know, we before everything kicked off, we were we were start saying, well, you know, it's, it's going to be a difficult difficult opening you know difficult opening few games and it's it's just been i think this has just been well above what anybody could have expected to be honest it's been a really really strong start and 
yeah, I, I just hope it can continue because, you know, like you say, when, when we've we've got games like Bristol coming up, that you, you sort of say, well, I think that's a game we should probably be winning. You know, off the back of games where you thought we'll be looking, you know, we'll be fortunate to take a point, and we've taken all three from. It's quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it's a decent start. I think you can't get, you know, can't that whole never too high, never too low. And I know it's the previous managers thing, but you know, you look at the league table now, and it's Ipswich, Lincoln, Hull, Doncaster, and Sunderland. Well, there's one team there that you know five, four, five years ago were playing Borehamwood and Bromley, and in Hull and Sunderland, you've got teams that were playing Arsenal and Liverpool. So, um, you know, it's it's quite clear which which team are on the up um, in, mm. in that top four. So, you know. It's going to be interesting. It'll be. Um, it, I'm really excited to see how Brennan Johnson settles as well. I think he's a player that uh, that could have slipped in, and people are kind of thinking that he's coming late on in the window. And you know, we have had a habit of bringing people late on in transfer windows who have done very, very well. Um, we've also had a habit of bringing loan players in who people kind of go, yeah, he'll be a good addition, who have then gone on and done great things. Uh, Joe Morell being a classic example. Joe Morell came to us, got into the Wales international setup uh, and, and was excellent. Brennan Johnson called up for Wales this week and could even face England. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. that's huge. Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk briefly about uh, about Brennan then, because obviously, um it, it was he was a player that I I didn't really know what to expect from, um, and you know he came off uh, came off the bench on Sunday. I thought he looked all right to be fair. Um, I thought he you know he seemed like he's got uh, he's, he's got a good turn of you know good bit of uh, pace to him. He's got a decent bit of skill, and I think he was. I think when he came on, I think there was a moment where there was about three or four attempts on him, and it, it looked like he was. I should have really been given as a free kick, but eventually it sort of dribbled out, the, uh, trickled out of play for a, a throw-in. But it was that kind of that tenacity that he had, and you know he was getting his head down and, and trying to to push forward and not going down under what could have easily been you know simple free kicks to 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 give away from Charlton's perspective. But um, yeah, it, there's definitely promise there, and I think he's uh, he's going to slot into the team pretty well. And do, you, do you think he's going to be well, I, I think he's going to have to be a team, a, a player that will start soon. You know, in this, be in the starting eleven based on uh, where he's come from. Do you think? Yeah, possibly. I'm not sure where. I don't know if Michael shuffles yeah. the pack a little bit now and plays with a ten and plays Brennan as a ten and 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 kind of loses one of the central midfielders. I don't know. I, I know Michael. You know, obviously he's going to play Liam Bridcott. He speaks incredibly highly of Conor McGrandles. James Jones looks like an established senior player, so I'm not really sure. You know, at the minute, how you shuffle Brennan in? Do you, does he play out wide on the right? Because he can. He was playing on the right for uh, Forest against Huddersfield. Uh, he did the same for Forest against Chelsea in the FA Cup. Although to be fair, he played centre forward, left wing, and right wing. Hmm. Um, he's played right attacking midfield for Wales under 21s as well. So, you know, he's quite versatile. Like you said, I mean, he had 27 minutes on the pitch, and according to Y Scout, he had 32. Um, actions so that's 32 either passes runs dribbles that sort of thing uh, he only had 39 in 84 minutes against for against Chelsea in the FA Cup so what you've got here is a confident young man who's going to see a hell of a lot more of the ball than he would have done in his um in, in, with his parent club so it's all going to be up to him but yeah I agree with you he started quite positively Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't really fault anything that he did when he came on. To be honest, he looks. Um, 
he looks like he's going to be a, a handy player. So uh, next next up really is um, well we've we've signed a player. Um, we've given uh, we've given Sam Long from the from the academy um, a, uh, a a professional deal. Um, sounds like it's a, an exciting prospect, Gary. Gary again. Wow, I'm still in trouble. Sorry, Gaz. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, I was surprised because when when we first saw Sam on the bench, it's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, putting a, putting the keeper on the bench because we need to. You know, like Charlie Andrew came last year and he kind of appeared on the bench and never got anywhere near. And we've had keepers come through. Aidan Duffy is one that springs to mind. Darren Horrigan, another, you know, young lad comes through, kind of gets a game or two, but it's not really up there. And then to hear Michael talk about him when I went to speak to him, you know, he's saying I've never seen a player come on like Sam, and he's he's improving every day, and um, he's you know he's going to be pushing Ethan, and you know the, the conversation was kind of around the fact that it's like the ball's in Ethan's court. Sam is the young keeper who will eventually ascend to be the number one, and Ethan's got to prove himself, you know. And given mm. how well Ethan played, I thought in the preseason matches, I was quite surprised by that. Um, so today's announcement or yesterday's announcement, depending on. Uh, when you're listening to it of course um kind of took me by surprise a little bit because i didn't expect us to be offering players a professional deal very Mm. canny though isn't it because you know these players could still be poached or whatever you know getting them on their first professional deal is very very wise and i think you know we'll talk to liam in a bit about the current financial climate i think we've got to turn a little bit to youth i think all clubs at our level are going to have to look inwards um, you know, and okay, it hasn't worked out for Jordan Adebayo Smith, but you look at Sean Rowe and you look at the other lad who came in from Ireland, whose name escapes me at the moment over the summer. You know, these are players that probably are going to end up, you know, knocking on the first team door. I think there was 860 odd free agents this summer, but a large portion of them still haven't got clubs because the salary cap is going to mean that, pl- that clubs are focusing more on their academy. And whilst people think the salary cap is a bad thing for football, I think the likes of Sam Long getting a contract and having trust put in him is a good thing. But look, we don't hand them out for free. He wouldn't get a contract if he wasn't, you know, potential League One quality. Hmm, absolutely. I think that's that's the that's the key thing is that obviously there is the, um, the, the sort of reputation that precedes Michael of, you know, being a, a coach that works with young players, but to have that um, to have that ability to to pick up somebody from within and uh, you know sign uh, sign Sam. I think you said Sean Long then. I thought no, we've definitely not signed Sean Long. <laughs> um, yeah, to, to sign Sam uh, to a professional deal, I think it's uh, genuinely quite uh, quite an exciting prospect. So um, cool. Uh, next next bit, um, we just want to say uh, a big congratulations to the boss and his wife. Um, for the birth of their their son on monday um unfortunately it, it did mean that michael missed training i think he confirmed that to rob during his press conference today but uh yeah it was um i think he's just probably glad that he didn't have to disappear from the game on sunday do you reckon she was you know trying her best to you know the good lady appleton was trying to potentially stop it from uh stop the stop ned from arriving until monday <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, massive congratulations. And uh, I'm sure some people have already pointed it out on Twitter, but George Grant and Michael Appleton both have babies <laughs> yeah. approximately nine months uh, after the Ipswich and Peterborough double. So, you know, it really was a happy new year in some households, wasn't it? Hey. Yeah. Um, it was I'm surprised Michael didn't call Ned George. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, it's, it's brilliant. I had a brief chat with Michael again about, um, you know, how families kind of cope with that and how it, you know, it was kind of an off the record thing as, as we were ending our interview. And um, it'll be, it's interesting times because, you know, as a football manager, you have to put so much time and effort into your job. Um, but, you know, we've got to remember these are, are real people and the birth of a child is, I am told, uh, not that I will know, um, you know, a, a wonderful moment. So it'd be It'll be challenging for both George and Michael, I think, going forward. But um, I'm sure as professionals, they will uh, they will handle it and become great dads as well. Absolutely. So uh, I just I, I do have to wonder though. You know, is it? Uh, I wonder what was the better feeling? You know, George's free kick or, uh, or no? That's a silly question to ask. I shouldn't bother. Um, yeah, that was a great free kick. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, so uh, final thing. Well, for now. Um, is, uh, is is the we're getting very close to, to a bit of a milestone with the podcast so uh, i shall throw it over to gary and he will enlighten you as to what we're going to be doing yes well people have obviously seen my dog walk videos and the other day i did a walk without the dog uh fee and i did it and and i just had this cascade of ideas um Ben and I obviously have spoken about the 100th episode for a while and Liam, who will be on shortly, had also kind of said that he was keen to have the club involved if possible. Um, But thanks to the bastard COVID, uh, that can't happen. So instead, we're going to do kind of a live interactive thing. I mean, Ben um, didn't break the camera when he came on video on Saturday, which was quite a nice trial run. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) So personally, yeah, we, we, we decided that we're going to do something live and interactive and we thought we'd do it around the 100 best players. Um, I'm always intrigued by people's opinions on players, on how some people see one player very, very differently to the other when we're all supporting the same club and want the same thing. Um, and my mind was cast back to the 100 Legends vote in 2007, um, which kind of threw up an all-time great. And I look through it now, and the likes of Colin Alcider are on there, for instance. And it interested me kind of how time kind of fades certain players and, and, and maybe builds certain players up. So we've opted to do, in a, I'm saying it in more words than I need to, which is kind of my trademark, um, that we're going to do... Uh, the top 100 or the best 100 players of a generation. So people are voting on their top five players, one to five, sending them over to us. I'm putting them all on a great big spreadsheet and we will then have our top 100 players for our 100th episode. Boom, boom, a player per episode. Um, so there's a link on the website uh, on stacywest.net. I will pin it to the top of the profile where you can go on and, and vote for your five, the five best players of your generation. Um, so obviously this will, it may you know, look harsh on, on legends like Tony Emery and, uh, and, and Andy Graver, but fewer and fewer people are remembering those in action. And um, we're not intending to say that any players from the modern, the current team that get voted in there are better than than our legends. Absolutely not. Um, but it's really a celebration of the players that have a, that have kind of influenced fans right now. And let me tell you, there are some fans who have already voted for. Andy Graver and Tony Emery, for instance. So, you know, all ages are getting involved in this, but it's unfair for somebody who's 15 or 16 years old to to have to vote for a player that they haven't seen because that player was truly one of our greats. Um, so, so far, I think we've had about 300 votes in, more give or take, uh, across a spread of 120 odd players. 
Uh, if you're voting with Drew Broughton and Pat Kanyuka, you are not funny. Um, I don't, unfortunately, laugh at that sort of thing. All I do is discount the vote. Uh, you may then defend yourself and say that Drew Broughton is the greatest or the best player you've ever seen in Lincolnshire. If you do, you probably haven't been to watch Lincoln. Um so, yeah, please get your votes in. What we're going to do on the actual show is we're going to be live, um, Ben and I, on, on a video feed. There'll be some prep to do beforehand as well, but I'm hoping maybe to get one or two of the players to do a bit of audio who have been voted. I've got a couple of ideas, but we need to see who's in the top 25 first. We'll probably only discuss the top 25. We'll run through the top 100, but we may only discuss the top 25 on the show. Um, if you voted for one of the top 25, we might even get you on as well. Um, so I'll be in the week leading up to the 100th episode. I'll be furiously contacting people um, to get them on. It will be more than likely done in an evening of watchable time. So I've got to discuss this with Ben, but it will probably looking, uh, if we're on episode 97 now, we're probably looking around the 97, 98, 99, around the 22nd of October, potentially. Yeah. I mean, let's be fair, I'm not doing anything else at the minute in the evening, so... No, so yeah, something like that. I'm, um, so um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of sort that out. So yeah, get your votes in at the moment. Um, just your votes, I don't need any explanation at the moment. Um, one or two people have kind of put long explanations as well. Yeah, it's great and thank you for buying into it. But at the minute, um, we just need your votes and we'll go from there. Have you got your vote in then? I have, yeah. I'm surprised you've not commented. Well, were you, if you've just put your first name on there, there's been a few Bens come through. I didn't see a Ben Ward. Oh, yeah, I just put I just put Ben. Yeah, I know a couple of Bens. Actually, I, yeah. So, <laughs> but no, I, I, I will, I didn't. But maybe you and I will run down our top five as, as kind of a precursor next week or the week after or, um, you know, as a bit of promo. So. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... I think, you know, you, the reason that you probably not pick mine up is because it's not got Toff with love hearts all around it in number one. So, uh, Really? Why do yeah. you do Is that because you don't know the love heart key on your keyboard? <laughs> greater than three, mate. Greater than three. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, I've, I've got my vote mm-hmm. in. Um, yeah, I think you might be able to pick it up now that I've, uh, now that I've mentioned it. But, uh, um, so, yes, coming up now... Um, uh gary's gonna have to unfortunately disappear but uh yeah i'm gonna pick up and uh we've got liam scully coming on the podcast so uh i'll see you next week gaz see using gaz yeah, <laughs> and um yeah we'll uh we'll catch you next next week and uh, stay tuned to hear me talk to liam okay so um yeah as we've you know as i said to gary um or Gaz, as uh, as we will say, because we all know that full names means that you're in trouble. Um, I'm here with Mr. Liam Scully from the club. Um, how are we getting on, mate? You all right? Yeah, good. Good, thank you. I think all things considered, uh, you know, family's good. The kids are good. You know, is uh, it's, it's difficult times, obviously, for for all. Um, but yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, we're we're fine. So thank you for asking. That's all right. You know, it's the, the first and foremost is you know everyone's healthy and happy. So it's uh, it's we, you know we all know it's it's difficult, and we all know sort of the reason for for you coming on. So um, if you're all right with it, we'll we'll jump straight into it if that's okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I mean, obviously, you know the the situation um, around the club at the minute is. Uh, well around football in general has has changed quite dramatically uh, over the past couple of weeks um 
the the sort of plans for for this month as it is now uh, would be to you know potentially getting fans back into grounds as has been put um seemingly indefinitely on hold so i think the the first question i was going to ask you is is has there been any indication um from the government or you know maybe from the fl or, or any of the authorities as to any potential time scales you know are there any targets that they've set in terms of when things are you know at x level we will be able to let y number of fans in or or is it kind of still very much up in the air um from from well, from the information that you're being given yeah we 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 know as much as you guys know um that that's that's for sure at this moment in time we we know that fans in ground is is on hold you know indefinitely for for something changes uh dan rowan who is uh the chief sports report for the bbc or chief football report for the bbc very very credible journalist rarely comes out with uh while spending you know, he alluded to to March for some reason, um, but I'm I'm not too sure that that's anything other than uh, almost a, a a remark from from a minister just saying, you know, it could be six months, it it could be six weeks in a sense. We 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 don't know. So, you know, we know the virus is in control. What what we what we are asking government for, and what we've been asking the EFL to, you know, directly ask the government for is is tell us what we're aiming for. So, is that a, a certain R rating? Is that a local risk assessment you know just just tell us what what it is that we that, that we're aiming for uh, mm-hmm. what does what does success look like in respect of opening stadiums and you know the reason why we want to know that information um is just because we we can be a more effective organization we can plan more effectively um if if we know that you know i completely expect uh, appreciate sorry and respect um the decision that was made um at, at the end of uh, at the end of September, just before October came, but you know we wasted five figures of uh, of, of of stuff that were that is perishable, that will go out of date, that won't work, based on getting the stadium ready for um, you know for 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 fans um, under a reduced capacity. So you know it's a little bit frustrating when we end up wasting money. Um, in, in times like this, um, like I say, I, I understand the situation. You know, I'm I'm, I'm very respectful of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think ideally for us, you know, we we would have some form of measure, some form of number, some form of um, you know something that we can we can hang our hat on and, and aim for, or mm. you know collectively aim for. But but we just don't have that at the moment. So at this moment in time, we are working behind the scenes, just replanning. The, the business plan, re, re, rewriting budgets, having a look at things, um, you know, ba- based on a, a significant delay of, of having crowds back in stadiums. Okay, I mean, I know, um, so obviously there was a, there was the interview that you did with, uh, with Michael on Radio Lincolnshire um, the other day, and you sort of alluded to the fact that the board have made quite a substantial investment um, recently, you know, of, a, of, of cash into the club. Um it's obviously crass to sort of say that, you know, to to sort of probe that any further. But um, I mean, w- would it be fair to say, for example, that if that if that investment wasn't there, that the the club would be um, somewhat closer to the edge in a way? Um, and alongside that, you know, are there any plans that are being put in place for potential, like you know, alternative revenue streams or income that that the club are trying to generate? 
at the moment yeah. without having the match day experience. Yeah, no. So I think first of all, just to confirm, and you know, the the investment um, and and the funds that you know have been committed by the board is significant. Um, it, it's it's six figures. It's significant six figures. It, it's the largest sum um, I've been certainly seen as a single investment um, whilst whilst I've been um, at, at the football club. Um, I think from from our point of view, it's really difficult to kind of provide an accurate narrative around where we are, what the situation is, because so much depends on on variables and the swings within the variables are, you know, a huge. Um, I think the best thing to do is if, if I start by saying that that the way that budgeting works in in lower league football is effectively you forecast what income you you will generate which is predominantly through match day revenue and that's based broadly on on what you think is going to be the average attendance for the year um one of the reasons why we do the early season ticket renewal window is because that gives you a good indication and a good forecast of of what what you know what revenue and what season ticket income will look like and what that enables you to do is to then provide ultimately a, a, a pro budget the playing budget um to the manager and hopefully you know you we can spend that you know economically and wisely um you know what what's what what historically can happen in the situation can happen if, if you don't do that process is you, you know you never provide a, a definitive budget to the manager um, and therefore, you know, it's almost like one at a time. And, and that's not, you know, that's not an efficient way of working when ultimately, you know, you, you're working to an overall number. The other thing that, that tends to happen in, in, in football is we, we, we put a budget together and ultimately there's a gap to zero. You know, so just for argument's sake, we put that budget together and it says at the end of the year, we're going to lose £100. Um, and then what basically happens from, you know, within the board meeting and the board settings is, you know, myself and the, the executive are, are set challenges be that commercial income overachieving based on maybe attendances new projects whatever it may be to kind of bridge that gap uh, and then there's a level of funding that's kind of you know agreed um that that can come in into the club and that and that's ultimately how we set a budget now we all know that the budget model is, is is broken we all know football is 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 not uh you know is not exactly where we want to be but we're on that right pathway and and the challenge ultimately this year is you know, let's say that gap was was a hundred pound. You know, from being signed up, it's bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, at, at each time we hit a mile marker, each each time we hit um, a point in time, and and that's the real the real difficulty. You know, I, I'd like to think, um, you know, we run the football club responsibly. I'd like to think that you know we we don't do things that put the club at, at long term risk. But ultimately, the situation that we've found ourselves in that you know the key variables have changed so significantly um you know we're now in a position where we're looking at this and we're saying well you know we we need rescue packages because we know the difficulty that lincoln city is going to face and 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 thanks to the the board and the investors that have pledged you know some money in order to get us through this period um but ultimately it it isn't going to be uh enough without a rescue package or without something significantly changing back again, you know that might just be getting crowds back in stadiums. Um, you know that 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 could be it. So um, it, it's just a you know it's a it's a difficult time, and and no nobody that you know, be it people that you know run their budgets at home 
or even you know you know run you know junior football teams or Sunday league teams. You know you never like to be in a position where you're questioning whether you can meet the the liabilities um, that you're committed to. And and ultimately we, we we will find a way. We're committed to doing that. We won't put the football club at risk. But you know I think if you talk to people in football, other CEOs, um, other other chairmen, you know there are just various levels of desperation. Right, right now, um, you know what what we do now is if rescue packages come and, and the worst comes to the worst, you know Lincoln City are going to be probably you know fiftieth in line out of seventy two clubs as mm. the fall, you know. But mm. just because that's the case, that that doesn't give you um, you know a great deal of comfort just because you're last, you know one of the last in line. Mm. I mean, you, you say there about you know having having those conversations with other clubs. Is it? Um, I mean, I can imagine that they're, they're very difficult conversations to have. Um, but I mean, how 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 has the dialogue been going between you know yourselves and, and other League One clubs, and presumably other clubs lower down the pyramid as well? Is it you, you know you say that there's a, a degree of desperation in everybody? Is it uh, it is the picture overall sort of one that is incredibly bleak, waiting for this you know deal from the Premier League to to come through or? How's it? Um, how, how are clubs bearing up at the minute? Do you think? Um, I think I think it's, it is varying degrees depending on their on their situation. You know, I, I won't be unfair to name them, but mm-hmm. you know, I've had chief execs on the phone just just you know asking me what my opinion is on when do you think we'd the the uh, uh, if a bailout would happen when do you think it would happen do you think it'd happen this month because if they go beyond this month they're, they're really in you know uh, in difficult times um you know i've had conversations with with others that have run their businesses well had pretty recent success i sat with a couple of million pounds in the bank but even they're quite worried because you know their forecasts are that they're going to burn through that um at a rate of knots um given the current situation so uh, yeah i think that you know it is a a spectrum of desperation right now um from those that are are very much um in the red zone Uh, i I won't you know probably panicking is is the right word i was i was trying to think of something um different but it probably is the right word um to those that uh, are just optimistic and hopeful um that, that something happens and, and we're we're out we are in that the latter of those categories um but like i said it, it just doesn't feel nice um mm. when you're not in complete control of your own destiny mm. yeah it's um it, it's just such a weird situation and i think you know that there is there is rightly um within you know within fans uh, fan circles i think rightly some people that are getting um increasingly frustrated with you know seeing um you know crowds at, at some other sporting events that are allowed to take place and you know some larger indoor events that seemingly are, are opening up whereas you know open air football stadiums aren't currently allowing anybody into them at all and it's uh it, it just seems to be quite a muddy and murky situation with regards to to guidelines and you know who can do what or anything like that. It's uh, it, it's really is an situation for for anyone to be in, and it's um, you know it's it's one of those things that I think we need to you know I think we do need to come together as a as a fan base and a club. But um, I mean, is is there anything that you're looking at in terms of um, 
fan support for, for those that are potentially able to. I mean, I know we'll come on to season tickets in a minute, but I think um, any, anything in terms of alternative streams that, that you're looking at at all or or not look i think the fan the, the fan support has been um in, incredible um and without their support we uh you know we we wouldn't be in the position we we are in today you know we the, there's no doubt and i think the thing that i'm very conscious of is the last thing i want to do um is is constantly be tugging on the coattail saying can you do more can you help us you, mm. you know that that's you know fans um you know obviously the relationship with with their football club is is different from any other um kind of you know relationship um you know you know dare i say it from like a you know from a fan or from a consumer point of view it's not it's not that and i understand that but the last thing i want to do and we want to do at this stage is um is be going out with the begging bowl um uh, or, or or constantly be coming back and, and and asking for more you know we we very much respect the support that we've had from the fans we can't thank you all enough for that um you know some people have done some of you know the most incredible things it's not always about the quantum you know we had a number of letters from young boys and girls that had saved up their pocket money and had smashed open the piggy bank and felt it was right to donate and you know stories like that that just motivate you every day to to kind of plot plot the way through this so you know i i'm, I'm very cautious that you know we're not we're certainly not at the stage yet where we're shaking buckets um mm-hmm. you know that that's you know we, we are away from that um I am really optimistic for the future. Um, I, I think, you know, apologies if, if my tone's a little bit dour. I think at, at the moment it's just it's, it, the days are punishing, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, that's understandable. And, 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 and more and more things get, get thrown at you and, and things change. Um, but, you know, I think as long as we continue working collaboratively through this, we stand a really good chance of, of getting through this, you know, you know, I, I, I don't need to say this, but through, you know, Clive, Jay Wright, David Lowe's and, and the rest of the board at Lincoln City, you, you, you know now that we've got people that, you know, truly have the club's best interest at heart. And, you know, they will, you know, they will do absolutely everything they can to protect and safeguard this football club as well. I and, and all the, the staff that work within the club. Um, it, it's just, you know, I, I fear I'm, I'm saying the same things and, and apologies if I start to bore people, but it's just the unknown. That that That's the thing that scares, scares me. Um, mm. That's the thing that's just worrying. That's the thing that we're, we're, we're all trying to manage is just not being in control of your own destiny. Um, that's not nice. You know, we just don't know if we can have fans back in stadiums. Um, we don't know if we can... Uh, if there will be bailout packages, we don't know, um, you know, whether there will be any other kinds of assistance from government, you know, uh, time to pay deferral schemes, other things like that. So that that's the bit that's just really difficult, you know, for, you know, you know we're probably all control freaks um, and, and not being in control feels feels strange. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you say there about the you know, support from from the fans and you know working collaboratively, and, uh, collaboratively sorry, and uh, and that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, the, the the email went out earlier this week uh, relating to the options for season tickets. Um, how how difficult is it to put something together like that when you know, like you say, we've we've got this. Um, 
we've, you've got that unknown that's there and you sort of sat there thinking well you know what if we could what if this lasts this next bit lasts for six weeks and we you know we're potentially going back on some of this going forward i mean the the options that are available to fans i think you know speaking freely and without trying to blow any smoke i think they were fair and i think they were you know well considered and well thought out and i think ultimately a lot of people have have come back and said the same thing you know i think the um the ability to you know for people like myself where we've got multiple season tickets in a household um to sort of have one i follow pass go to that household whilst maintaining the you know whilst maintaining the um the sort of privileges if you like of a season ticket holder i think it's been a i think a lot of people are very receptive to that and very appreciative of that so um i mean yeah what was the process in terms of coming up with those solutions and you know what's the response been like um from your point of view um from from the fan base um but believe it or not i think coming up with the answers to these or or the options to these kind of times is is actually quite quite easy in a sense and and the reason why i say that is um and you, you might need to bear with me on, on this one but a number of years ago we, we sat down and we we devised a, a medium-term strategy for the football club um mm-hmm. and we uh, signed up to a, a set of vision uh, to a vision and values that we wanted and we insisted that we would operate the football club with so, you know, I, I always think of, you know, how people act in a crisis is 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 really important. And, and look, we are in a crisis. Um, and I think it's important that we can still hold the values that we signed up to operate with, um, you know, on the good days as well as as well as the bad days. And, and, and you know, we, we committed that we wanted a club for the fans to be proud of. Um, that's not just because we're winning or we're top of the league or we're winning trophies. That's because in 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 the way our everyday actions, you know, are, um, you know, the fact that we hold ourselves to high moral standards. To you know, we we want to be humble, we want to be professional, but equally we want to be human. Um, and when you have principles that sit behind decisions that you make and a board that are completely signed up to that process it's actually really easy because you know i would go into a board meeting or with the exco group and and we would go well this is the right thing to do by the fans um these are the challenges that it's going to present us in the business and and you know it's it's a discussion but it's not a battle it's not a negotiation it's not um it's nothing other than that you know we we we've committed to this so you know it would be really easy to kind of come up with a glossy brochure something that kind of sits on the walls or you know goes above the office door if if you're not going to hold yourself and and operate to those standards you know Mm -hmm. day in day out in the good times and in the difficult times so you know that that's that's the starting point We're, we're not naive in our business approach either we've got to obviously do the right thing and safeguard safeguard the club but i think what then ends up happening with this is you you build up that two-way relationship so the fact that so few fans last year um you know took refunds and 
we were communicated with those fans that was, you know, they were saying, look, I have no option but to do this, but I dearly love, you know, that it's, you know, our measure of the fan isn't whether they took a refund or not. You know, we mm. know that everybody was doing, doing all they, they could. And it, and it's probably similar in this, this instance, you know, we are very aware that, you know, people are losing jobs, people are at threat of redundancies, you know, money is tight. We, we completely respect that. But I think what we get back from the fans is the fact that they, they, you know they work with us and they understand the, the challenges that we that we face so it's a two-way relationship it's a, it's it's a two-way thing um and by the way that the fans act you know means uh, that we are under more pressure um to to, to continue to do you guys proud and, and to work hard behind the to, to work hard behind the scenes and, and and that's what we're all motivated to to do Okay. I mean, how, how has the response been so far um, with regard to the, you know, the, the choices for the season tickets? Yes, yeah, so I think I think at this moment in time, um, I think we're at about uh, six or seven percent that have um, had to ask for refunds, um, and then there is a, a split. Um, within those that are taking the credit option or the credit plus I follow, you know, we've we've obviously got a lot of households with multi-occupancy uh, and, and season ticket holders in there, so we completely understand that. Um, you, you may have seen that we've said that you know once you accumulate that credit, that there are going to be various things that we're going to work on. So for, first and foremost, that can be used for future tickets, be that season tickets. Um, or, or other elements. Um, we are looking at a way of linking that so it works within retail. But then we're also looking at options for either money can't buy experiences or opportunities um, or other ways that, that the fans um, can use that credit that hopefully they feel that they're getting something out um, but but equally you know that we can benefit from as, as well from a from a club point of view so we, we hope to I'm not I don't know whether we'll be able to get that all done in the next 30 days or so but uh, you know as, as the picture comes a little bit clearer we hope to be able to make an announcement exactly what the fans can use that for and and, and the options that will be available to them cool no good stuff I mean it's uh, I, I think you know the, the the vast majority of uh, the vast majority of stuff that I've heard so far back from people has been you know incredibly positive to to how this has been handled from you know from a from a point of view and I think the fact that you you know you're willing to come on and, and have a chat with me in in a you know kind of environment like this at the moment is uh, it, it's testament to that and you know like I said it's I'm not going to sit here and and blow smoke I think the um, I think we're all aware that, you know, where, where criticism's due, we're, we're more than happy to give it out. But it's, um, you know, well, particularly if you're trying to sell me a TV, you know, let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it is appreciated. You know, it's, it's not, a, I think we all know it's not an easy situation at the moment. And um, I don't think anybody has, has any uh, real envy as to you know the situation that you guys are finding yourselves in but um i shan't keep you for too much longer i just want to say you know if there's anything is there anything more that you want to just put to put out there as a as a message to the people that are listening at the minute just honestly you know thank you so much um it's everything from you know the people that are raiding the piggy banks and and doing anything that they they can to help which they they have done from you know the messages of support just you know uh, you know elements you know like like people you know when you're when you're and you know socially distanced but walking around the supermarket just tapping you on the shoulder and 
feedback or their views or, or even their critical feedback you know it, it, it you know the fact that people are still interested and, and care you know mean, means a lot to us uh, if I or we have, have made mistakes uh, in how we've dealt with this in any way, you know, truly we 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 don't mean to. Um, and and your feedback is always welcome. Hopefully now the fans know the the feedback at the redimps.com email address. If there's if there's anything that they want to tell us that you know we we can take on board. We we read all emails. Um, and and I promise you, you know, we we make sure we we listen to your feedback. Um, and 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 look, you know, I just want to assure you that. Um, from Clive down right throughout this football club, we are doing absolutely everything we can um, to, uh, to to make sure you know that this football club not only survives the pandemic as an organisation, but that there's a club you know from a sporting point of view for the fans to be proud of on the other side. You know we we're not looking to try and you know creep through this. Um, and you know we we want to 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 manage it manage it well. And as soon as fans are back in the stadium, um, we'd we'd love to hear the, the roar uh, across the stadium, the the sounds of crowds, you know, supporting the team. That you know we're we're actually really really proud of what what Michael Jez and the guys have built. Um, so you know we we hope to see you back in the stadiums as soon as possible. You know, we're all waiting for, you know, we're all looking forward to, and I know that uh, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to being able to complain about it taking me 10 minutes to get out of the ground at the end. Let's just say that. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, I, I don't think I've, I've, I've never looked forward more to, uh, to complaints about the, uh, the dodgy Bovril um, <laughs> or, or the cold burger than I think I've, I've ever done in my life. So let's hope we get back to those days soon absolutely and uh, just just to put it to bed as well i want to do this just to, to you know to put it to bed and, and put it aside everything that was posted last week with my little five-step plan that was all perfectly above board we were all in on it and it was all just it was in good faith let's just say that much um but, uh, <laughs> yes indeed yeah <laughs> uh, but no thank you for joining me liam it's it's very much appreciated and um that's going to do us for the podcast this week um <laughs> Thank you again uh, for listening. You know, subscribe to us, tell a friend, and all of that stuff. And uh, me and Gaz will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye bye. It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.